Alright, so this morning we're going to be in Genesis chapter 19, and we're going to talk about sin. A lot. And compromise. Because chapter 19 is one of those uh, difficult chapters to read over, and really just ask a question like, why is this in my Bible? What what are these people doing? I don't understand. And so this this is a good example of A, not everything in the Bible we should do. Just, just in case you didn't know that, we don't always follow the example in the Bible. There are good examples that we should follow, like the life of Christ, and there are bad examples that we shouldn't follow, like this almost entire chapter. Um, so I want to start with, uh, what is sin? First off, just so we can set our mind. In Romans 14, 23, it says, But he who doubts is condemned if he eats. So he's talking to uh, Christians and Israelites that are wondering, do we keep the dietary laws? So that's why it's talking about eating, because the Israelites weren't used to have kosher diets, so they couldn't eat uh, pork and dairy and some other things at certain times. And he's talking to the, the Christians in, in, in Rome and saying, it, if you doubt, don't eat. But because he does not eat from faith, for whatever is not from faith is sin. So just to bring that all into context, um, whatever you do, do it with faith. Because if you if you do it with doubting, if you if you have fear or um, shame or guilt, and you're doing things out of those emotions, then you're you're not doing it out of faith. You're doing it from a different uh, heart and so those things that we do from a different heart is called sin what we should be doing is we should be walking in faith believing that the lord has says that this is okay or that we're dedicating this to the lord and so anything that is not of faith is sin so just just to give you that that kind of perspective that biblical definition there's also this this quote that i really like because it's so true every sin every time we talk about sin i, I think I'll, i i like to keep this on mind. I don't know who said it. A lot of people are credited with it, but here it is. It's not in the Bible. Sin will take you farther than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you wanted to pay. Sin will take you farther than you wanted to go. Oh, I only want to, you know, look at this website a little bit. Or, oh, I only wanted to spend just a little bit of money at this pachinko parlor. Or, I only wanted to, or on Amazon, or whatever. It'll take you further than you wanted to go. I just wanted to do this little bit, and then suddenly <laughs> you're in it. Keep you longer than you wanted to stay. Oh, I'll just be in there for five minutes. Oh, I'll, I'll just, you know, uh, I'll do this. I'll watch this TV show for just a few minutes, or I'll watch this one episode. Whatever it is. And cost you more than you wanted to pay. And it's not just about monetary costs. It's about the consequences, the, the unseen consequences of sin. Because sin will always have consequences. We get to choose to sin, but we don't get to choose the consequences. So, um, with choosing to sin in divorce, we're, we're sinning, we're leaving our husband or wife. Um, there are consequences that we don't get to choose. The broken relationships, the, uh, the hours of therapy, or uh, speaking with a lawyer, or whatever it is. There are consequences to our sins, and they will cost us. And sometimes it's money, sometimes it's more than that. So, sin is what breaks our relationship with God and keeps us away from Him. And so, we're going to talk a lot about sin and compromise this morning. So, let's get into chapter 
19 of Genesis. And this is just slightly... There, you guys' pictures are kind of there. All right, so, starting in Genesis 19. We're going to read 1 through 11. <coughs> now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly, so they turned in to, to him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us, that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway and shut the door behind him, and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See, now I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under my shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. Then they said, This one came in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot, and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands, and pulled Lot into the house with them, and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they, were, they became weary trying to find the door. Here's a crazy story <laughs> that we have recorded in the Bible. Um, a few things starting from the beginning. Uh, I want to say that. So Lot is Abraham's um, family. He's he's like a cousin. And uh, I'm trying to get a timeline. Maybe 14 to 20 years prior, they had so much stuff. They were living in the plains and they had to divide because the herdsmen were kind of arguing between each other. And so Abraham, being humble, said, you know, where do you want to, to put your sheep? Where do you want to keep put your tent? And he says, oh, I'll go down near the city of Sodom and Gomorrah because the plain looks green and fertile. So that's that's where he went. So Abraham went somewhere else to, to keep his flock. Now, we see Lot is no longer, well, uh, in a few chapters ago, we saw Lot was no longer in his tent outside the city. He was living in the city, and when the the five kings from the east came and they took Lot and, and took him away with them. So Abraham had to rally his uh, 300 servants that were battle ready to go get Lot back. So he's been there for at least 13 to 14 years, if not longer. And this term, sitting by the, the gate... Uh, is usually a position of honor, like he's a a judge of other people, like he has a position of of power within the city, because he's not out tending his flocks, he's not doing those things, and he's come and he's made a name for himself within the city, um, having lived there so long. And he he meets the two angels, and he he intrudes them to come uh, stay at his house, showing hospitality. Um, and he knows it's not safe for them to spend the night in the square, so he really, really insists strongly that they uh, shouldn't stay out in the open square. Because he knows of the place he lives. He knows of its wickedness. He knows of its um, its sin. And, and he's trying to protect these men, but 
but we see that he is lot has compromised a lot of his life um whereas he was prospering and doing well when he was with abraham he's he settled in the city and he's already been taken once by by kings that came and invaded had all of his stuff stolen and and he's still living there he's still compromising um by living in the city and we'll look look more at that um so the men heard that these two other men came and they want came to want to know him so the word carnally is in italics because it's not in the original hebrew but it's to help you understand the context it's not just that we want to know them we want to know their name where they're from their age it's not like that because as you'll see he offers his daughters in a little bit and uses the same word that, that has not known a man so that we're not talking about getting to know someone as a friend uh, they have evil intentions. Um, uh, and we see this strange, strange thing that Lot does. Lot's offering his two daughters instead of allowing the, the men of the city to, to have their his guests. And there's a lot of uh, cultural relevancy about um, in that time that if people were guests under your roof, you protected them with your life and you, you took care of them however you could, even giving them the food that you would eat in order that they may have food. Which is kind of what's going on here, but it's just odd and it's strange that that a man would offer his two daughters to a, a, a mob of men. I'll say it. It's it's what everyone everyone knows. It's just hot. It's it's so strange that he has compromised so much that he's willing to to sacrifice his daughters to the the crowds to appease them to protect his his family. And and this is really what sin does. It takes us further than we wanted to go, keeps us there longer, and costs us more. So, Lot's been compromising a lot with the way that he's been walking and the way that he's been been learning and and. He, as we'll see soon, that he hasn't been the light. He hasn't been um, the voice of of change, of of holiness that he could have been. Um, because if you'll remember last week, well, well, we'll get there. We'll get there. So there, there's something um, in Second Peter that will help us to to understand this because it is it is a problem living in, in compromise. So in Second Peter uh, 2, 6-9, through 9, uh, talking about the coming judgment, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemn them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of judgment. So this is just an insert. It starts with an A and ends with a comma. I highly suggest everyone go read Second Peter. It's a short book. It's a, a short letter. It's really good. But so what, what we have here is... is uh, a commentary on the life of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah. We believe the best way to interpret the Bible is with the Bible. So uh, we're going to read a couple other portions of the Bible that talk about Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah and judgment. And so here's the first one. So it says here that you'll see that he'll get delivered 
they're going to deliver righteous Lot. So the word righteous is not because Lot is better than everyone else, that he is uh, more morally good, does more good things, but what means biblically is that he's got faith in the Lord, and because of that faith, it's it's accounted to him as righteousness. But we see that although he has faith, he has he was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked because he was dwelling among them. He was tormenting his soul to see these de- depraved things day after day, um, seeing and hearing their lawless deeds, that they were so entrenched with sin that <coughs> he was uh, searing his own soul that he just got used to it and just was... Oh, that's, this is just where I live. These are the people I live with. It's their city. They can do whatever they want. And and he just compromised so much from what he knew, what what um, was revealed to them at that time about the Lord. And so we, we have this warning about our, our environment, where we live, what we, what we put on the TV, what we listen to on the radio, or what music we, we listen, what books we read, the environment around us influences the way that we walk and it's sometimes it's a dangerous thing to put in to not care what we listen to to uh, listen to the things we used to listen to before we were saved before the Lord got a hold of us because sometimes those things will take us back down those paths of of compromise and and lead us back into sin and it really torments our our soul because if we now have the Holy Spirit in us it's 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 an direct conflict with that holy spirit the the good and the the bad the evil and the the righteous we 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 war within ourselves and if we feed the the sinfulness of us if we we put all those things into us we we're really quenching the holy spirit we're belittling and 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 uh, compromising the lord who lives within us so this week, keep an eye on what you're listening to, what you're watching, what what you allow your eyes to wander across, or what your heart, you know, longs for. <coughs> keep that in mind, because we do torture ourselves by allowing these things into our lives. What it's as Jesus says, it's far better for me to cut off my hand or pluck out my eye than to enter, you know, than to go to go to hell. So we need to to. Cut those things out that that cause us to sin, that lead us back into temptation. And it doesn't get better. So here we go. Genesis 19, 12 through 26. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? So this is uh, the angels that came into his house. Have you anyone else? Son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. I'm going to pause there. So Abraham uh, has at least 300 servants that can go to war with him. Not counting women, children, people that aren't equipped for battle. And these two groups were so great that they, they had to divide to to have their own area. So so the angels are saying, hey, get anyone that's yours, that anyone else that's yours, take them out of this place. Um, and if you remember last, uh, I guess three weeks ago, last chapter, Abraham was like, would you destroy the city for ten righteous men? And God said, no, I will not destroy the city for ten righteous men. If there were ten righteous men found in the city, I would preserve the city and not destroy it. And so here, here's the challenge. Does does Lot have 
nine other men with him that are considered righteous, nine other people that that would keep them from destroying the city, and let's see what happens. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law he seemed to be joking. When morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass, when they had brought them outside, they said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then the lot said to them, Please know, my lords, indeed now your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me, and I die. See now, this city is near enough to flee, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to them, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, is that in that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you have arrived there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zor. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zor. Then the Lot rained brimstone and fire on Tom and Gomorrah from the Lord, from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. So the answer is no. The Lot has not shared his faith. Lot has not found other people um, that have received uh, what he knew about the Lord at that point in time. And and it was just him, his wife, and two daughters. No son-in-laws, no servants, no, no one else following the Lord. Just him and his wife and his two daughters. Um and so the Lord just takes them out. Instead of preserving the city, he, he just has the angels remove these four from the city so that they can be destroyed, that the city can be destroyed. Um, and the, the sons-in-law thought he was joking, which uh, is disrespectful and just um, shows that they, they didn't take him serious or his God serious at all. And so here the angels are telling him very specifically where to go. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. So he was living in the plain that was all green and lush and um, was so fertile that he wanted to keep his sheep there. And and the angels are going to destroy the, the cities that are in the plain and the plain and everything that grows on the earth on in that area. And, and so this is what they're telling him to do. And he argues with them. And he says, no, 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 no. Not the mountains, Lord. We, I, I'm afraid because something might happen to us. Um, least some evil overtake me. So, so he has doubt whether you know the Lord will take care of him in the mountains. The, the Lord's preserving him from fire and brimstone, but he doubts the Lord will take care of him in the mountains. He's worried about some evil take overtaking him and dying, and he's just showing a lack of of faith. And so he his. Going back to the definition of sin, he's not doing something out of faith. He's doing something out of fear. He says, oh, least some evil should overtake me. He's afraid of what might happen. Instead of trusting in the Lord and, and responding in faith where he should go, 
he has fear and he argues with the angels. And and we see that so often we lack faith and we argue with the Lord and <coughs> and, and the Lord still works with us because the angels say to him like fine go to this little city it's small all right we will we'll, we won't destroy that one city and, and so often we see the Lord in, in Genesis like talking to us and reasoning out with man we're we're in a relationship like um, a father and a son or we're we're in more of a relationship than a, a master and a servant. We're able to to question God. We're able to to say, "Hey, wait, well, what about this?" And so we have these these wonderful examples of of how we can interact with God. Although not always are they good examples of the way that we should interact with God, because here they're they're doubting. Whereas when Abraham questions, he's trying to intercede for other people. Like, "Well, God, don't destroy the city. If if you can find fifty righteous people, he's he's trying to trying to." to pull out the mercy and the love of God in that time. So we can talk to God and we can reason with him now, but he is still ultimately the master and what he says goes. But sometimes he'll let us have our way and we'll we'll have to suffer through whatever it is we've prayed for, whatever it is that we, we've wanted so badly. To, and he'll teach us a lesson through that. Uh, so he says, I favored you, go and do this thing. They went to a little city. And then he overthrew those cities, all the plains, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. So he destroyed it. Then there's this strange, strange little comment here. But his wife looked back behind him. Or, yeah. And she became a pillar of salt. So she looked back. Now, <coughs> by itself, it seems like, well, she just stopped to look to see what was going on. I mean, there's brimstone fire and stuff. I'd, I'd want to see it, too. It's like walking away from a fireworks show. I want to turn around and see the fireworks. But, but that's not... All that she did. She didn't just look back with her eyes. How do I know this? It's not in this, this chapter here, but we use scripture to help us interpret scripture. So we, we fast forward to Luke 17. I'm to get this all on the same page. Um, to see that she wasn't just looking back with her eyes. She wasn't just seeing what was happening. She was really turning her whole heart back to the city because she was longing for that life that they had built in this sinful place. Um, here is Luke seventeen twenty through 36. This is Jesus speaking. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So, we're talking about a future day when, when Jesus comes back. That there will be destruction on all of the earth. It will happen suddenly. No one no one really will be uh, expecting it. And there, we're going to continue life on as it is every day. Verse 31. In that day he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in the night there will be two men in one bed, and the one will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together, and one will be taken, and the other left. Two men will be in the field, the one will be taken, and the other one left. So we've been singing the song about the Lord coming. And so uh, Calvary Chapel has a position about the way that the the end is going to happen things are not going to continue the way they are on forever and ever and ever as they have been there will be a, a an ending and so we believe that the lord jesus will come back and then 
there's going to be something that we call the rapture, that the, this taking away, that the because God's wrath is coming, um, the Christians, the people with the Holy Spirit, um, will be taken out of the way so that God can rain His His judgment down on upon the earth, and there'll be seven years of tribulation, which we'll get to at another time. But there will be a coming judgment, and so this is one of the verses. This is one of the the areas where Jesus is talking very specifically about that judgment that's going to come. Now, if you believe differently, that's fine. If you believe that the rapture is going to happen at a different time, the Bible is not a hundred percent clear on it, and it's not a salvation issue, so it's not. Like something we can talk about it, we can we can share scriptures about it, but but this isn't something that should divide us. So just putting that in there. But here it's tied very very tightly to God's wrath, at God's destruction, this this taking away of uh, people in the field and in the bed. And so, after Lot's wife is mentioned, we have this interesting verse: Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. So remember Lot's wife. So she's looking to save her life, not not her like well, be, not her her life blood, but that life of uh, living in Sodom, like living in in the sinful place. She was turning back to look at her life that she had, her house, her her goods, her son-in-laws, and she she was wanting to preserve it she wasn't just looking back to see the destruction she was longing for that that sinful world that she used to live in and she loses she loses her life because of that longing because it's her heart <coughs> is still in that sinful city and it says that that uh, he who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom of god she was she was not walking in faith she was looking back at the life that she used to live and longing for it and that's such the problem how, how many christian testimonies i hear that talk about oh i used to be into drugs and alcohol and I used to have uh, women and, and all this crazy stuff and they talk about their old life with great uh happiness and and they just loved it enjoyed it and 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 then they say i now have jesus and I can't do those things. And they, they're they missing how great a thing it is that we no longer have these these things to be tied in bondage to. That, that old life was really not a good life. It was really dragging us down and separating us from God. And, and it was just hard. And we we glory in so much sin that it's hard for us to, to imagine what life is without that sin. But it's so good to walk with the Lord. Alright, keep going. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. Then he took looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain and saw, and behold, the smoke of the land, which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. Then Lot went up out of Zor and dwelt in the mountains. Where did he dwell? Where the angels told him to go? Well, in the mountains. And his angels and his daughters were with him, for he was afraid to dwell in Zor. Again, motivated by fear, not by faith. And he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. Now the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man on earth to come in to us, as is the custom of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, and we will may preserve the lineage of our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And he did not know what, when she lay down 
or when she arose. And it happened on the next day, the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, I laid with my father last night. Let us make him drink wine tonight also, and you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. Then they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when she laid down or when she rose. Thus both daughters of Lot were with child by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. And the younger, she also bore a son called, and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the people of Ammon this day. Another fun story. Uh, so... They fled, uh, they went to Zor, <coughs> which was supposed to be destroyed, but they said, oh, let us go to the small city. Uh, the Lord allowed them to go, um, and then they were afraid, and so they left and went to the, originally where the, the Lord told them to go, flee to the mountains. So Zor should have been destroyed with the rest of the plane, but it was not, and it will continue to cause issues with the Israelites in the future. Now, Lot's two daughters that came out with him, they were they were raised in this culture of sin. They were raised in this culture of uh, depravity, and and so much of that depravity of that sin is taught to our children when we live in in such a place. <coughs> and so they have this idea <coughs> that they know is not right because they're after having to get their father drunk to carry out their plan, um, and they do it anyway. And so they just they they have a problem they think they have a problem and it it's a very small problem not all the men in the world are destroyed just these few cities and in the plains and 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 they're worried about their family line they're worried about carrying it on and that that small problem of, of just going out into the land and finding someone else they magnify that problem think oh woe is me the world is destroyed how are we going to have you know, children, if there's only our father, and like, they, they make this really small problem into this really big problem, and they, they take it in their own hands, and they make some terrible decisions, and they sleep with their father, and, and how sinful, how wicked that is, how not okay that is, and so the, the children that are going to be born from the, these, um, ancestral relationships are going to be a thorn in the side of the Israelites for, for years and years and years. You're going to hear about the Moabites. You're going to hear about the, the people of Ammon. Um, and they're going to be like the borders of Israel. And they're always going to be in conflict. They're always going to be uh, fighting each other. And just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean we should do it. This is an example of what we should not do. They're not doing anything by faith. They're completely doing it by fear and by uh, just wrong motivations. Now, uh, to finish up, First uh, Corinthians five nine through thirteen. Um, so we've talked about being in a, a sinful place in a city, being surrounded by sinful people, and we cannot get out of this world because we're always going to be surrounded by sinful people. There's sinful people in the church. There's sinful people out of the church. So what do we do? In 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13, it says, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. Yet I certainly did not mean with sexually immoral people of this world, meaning non-believers, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of this world. 
But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or idolater or reviler or a drunkard or extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. For what have I to do with judging those who are on the outside? Do you not judge those who are on the inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourself the evil person. So we can't really separate ourselves. We can't go into these little Christian communities to try to get away from the world so that we can not have their bad influences on us. Indeed, it says you're going to live in the world and there's going to be these people out there. And it's important for us to, to be in the world, to share the truth, to say, hey, that's not okay. Hey, you shouldn't be doing that. Hey, you know, in love, share with them. There are going to be consequences to those sins. But it says actually very specifically not to, not to associate with a brother, someone that calls themselves a Christian, that is doing these things openly, that you, sh you shouldn't uh, associate with them because what they approve, you might start thinking is okay. And so it's a very dangerous place to be like, oh, m my brother drinks until he's drunk. It must be okay. God must not have an issue with it. And, and so there's a, a, a danger of uh, associating with those people that call themselves Christians that don't walk with the Lord. And, and yes, we're going to sin. And yes, we're going to stumble. And yes, we're going to mess up. But these are habitual, uh, a, a habit formed that they continually walk in sexual immorality or covetousness or idolatry or reviler or drunkard or extortioner. These people make it a, a normal daily guide of their lives. And this is not okay. And it says you should separate from them. Don't judge those people that are on, on the outside. That's for God to judge. But on the inside, you need to judge and say, hey, this is not okay for me to hang out with these people. It's not okay for me to do that. And finally, one thing I want to point out that I, I love um, to point out here, uh, the Moabites, although they are a thorn in the side, they're born out of sin. Uh, we have a Moabite woman who is a part of Jesus's line. Her name is Ruth. She's from the land of Moab. She's from this descendants. And the gospel, the, what the Lord has done, who the Lord is, has come to her and she is reconciled with them. You can read all about her life in the book of Ruth. It's four chapters long and she shows great faith. And so I, I always want to point that out, that the Lord is still willing to work with these people. The Lord is still willing to, to work with sinners. And it's, it's never too late to, to commit your life to the Lord. It's never too late to walk with the Lord. He is a loving God that, that really wants us to come to him. Um, he, he destroyed uh, Sodom and Gomorrah um, to, as a sign for those that would come afterwards so that they would know that there is a judgment coming, that there will be punishment for sin. And, and he's trying to call us back to him, to tell us to stop walking in our own ways, to stop being the, the Lord of our own life and allow him to be the Lord of our life. Lord God, thank you for this morning, the difficult conversation, the difficult, well, the weird stuff that we find in the Bible, Lord God. You put it there so that we can learn from it, so that we may know your heart and know your, your spirit and how to walk in this world, Lord God. Help us to put away those sins, the compromise that we let into our life and use this as an example to to make today the day that we get whatever it is out of our life, pride or greed or lust or whatever it is, Lord God, help us to put it away and start walking with you, Lord God. Let us put on the new man and put that old man to death, Lord, before that sin takes over and, and we're just um, torturing our soul with the sin that we allow in our life, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you be with us this week. Help remind us of these truths. And Lord, 
just continue to pour out your love on us and your mercies. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sorry, that was a little long. We have some time. Does anyone have any questions or anything they want to talk about or anything?